Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. We're in a series that I started a while back. Uh, three weeks back, I was not with you last Sunday. My wife did such a fantastic job. So blessed by her in many, many ways. She's a talented woman, full of love, full of grace, full of power. Um, but the, the premise of this is basically, you know, when I went in the ministry, I really, really devoured the book of Acts because I felt like it's easy for us to create traditions of men. And then we, we prop up the traditions more than the actual presence and the reality of the kingdom of God. So we fall into traps of monotonous things that we do that lose the power thereof. And sometimes we can do that in the church world. Especially even in the Pentecostal or whatever you label us. We're not really Pentecostal because Pentecostal, some of the, you know, some people still wear denim, don't wear makeup and all that stuff. Obviously we wear denim and I don't wear makeup. But if I did, I would feel free to do so. <laughs> it's just, they don't let you try it on anymore in the Mac store, so how am I going to find my color? <laughs> I love making people uncomfortable. I'm joking, people. But we can get into a trap where we just go through the motions and we lose the relationship, the reality of the kingdom of God. And really the principles of what built the church. The book of Acts is the foundation of the church and how they operated before they had 2,000 years of history to look back on and tell them how they're supposed to operate and how they're supposed to do church. In America, we got an understanding of what church looks like. Starts at a set time, ends at a set time, follows these guidelines, and if it gets out of that, people feel like, what's going on right now? I say, may, Lord, may the Lord take our plans, crumple them up, throw them aside, and do whatever He wants to do. Can we get back to that? And so uh, I just felt to, to kind of go through this, I believe that we are in a very heightened spiritual season right now. Things are getting intense. Amen? I mean, you just turn on the television and you know it's intense right now. We're in a war for our, our nation uh, against darkness, against communism, against globalism, against perversion, against people that call evil things good, which the Bible says it was going to be that way, and you get attacked if you even get activated in any capacity whatsoever for Christian values right now. We're being labeled as haters. Everything we stand for is hate speech, but really we know that it's actually love speech because it's coming from God who is love. So I'm just warming you up this morning to see what type of people are in the room. So far, it feels good. I don't feel any evil glares coming my way. But it's very much a heightened time. If you are educated in any way about what is happening in this nation and what has been going on for a while, then you understand that America is basically over with short of an intervention from God. And I'm not talking just about the Republicans curing it. The Republicans are part of the problem too, people, because it's two sides of the same coin. It's people sold out for wealth and they're willing to do whatever it takes for their own personal kingdom. I pray that God would raise up men and women on fire that would tear down, root out, throw down, and destroy the wickedness that has propped itself up in this country and operated in wicked ways to take over this nation. May God root it out, else it's over with. But it doesn't ultimately matter to a believer because my first identity is not American. My first identity is a heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. I am seated at the right hand of the Father forevermore. I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not only am I a citizen, I'm a part of the family. Blood is thicker than water. You can't take me away from my father or my brother because I have been bought with a price that this world cannot raise funds to outpay that price. 
I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. I am born again. My nationality is one of a supernatural realm. You can't kill me. You can make this little weird thing that I walk around in fall down, but I will not taste of death. I will cross into streets of gold and hear songs that I've longed to sing and stand in the glory of the Almighty. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't tell you these things. Jesus. So I don't have to be afraid of anything. You can huff, you can puff, but you can't blow this little pig's house down. Because it's built on the rock. If that's you, shout amen this morning. But it is time for the body of Christ to do her job. We're not waiting for rescuing. We are an army of the Lord on the earth to take back territory. The enemy is terrified of every praying saint. Come on, somebody. I love to say this, but I, it's because it's funny. But when the devil goes to bed at night, he checks his closet and looks under the bed to see if I'm hiding underneath it. Come on, if that's you, shout amen. Huh. Devil stompers, baby. Yeah, you could buy my shoes, devil stompers. You Seriously, you can. I did make custom shoes, devil stompers. I'm very excited. I did sell enough to where they'll actually go into production. So one day soon, I'll be wearing my devil stompers amongst with other people in the room. The power is not in the shoe. The power is in you. Amen. It's just fun because how many shoes do you have that say devil stomper on them? And it's probably going to raise great conversations everywhere we go. Amen. Say, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, get ready for it. All right, so we're in the book of Acts. We started last week about when Jesus said to start the church. They had traveled with Jesus. They had been with him. But Jesus took the time to say before he took off to heaven, he, he commanded the disciples, you go and you wait until you be endued with power. And so they obeyed. And 120 people gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem, and they prayed until Pentecost came. Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit was given unto man because the shed blood of Jesus was taken to heaven, poured on the mercy seat of God so that our flesh could now be made new by the blood of Jesus Christ, no longer the blood of lambs or bulls, so that we could become a temple of the Holy Ghost. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Most High God. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 6. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, you have been born again by the Spirit of God. You are no longer the same person that you were. You are a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. They no longer have claim to your life. That's why we can say death is something in our past and not something that we will look to in our future. We do not know it anymore because that is a past experience. We have been buried with Christ and rose again with Him. like I'm preaching a crusade right now. At any moment, we're going to have the Mama Lodi choir come out. I love the Africans because they're not ashamed of the power of God. Amen. Americans try and explain it. Africans are just like, open up your mouth and you pray in tongues, brother. What is wrong with you? Do you not know that the Lord is Lord? Pray, speak it, speak it. Americans are like, now what that is, is it's a different language that the Lord would give unto you. But you could speak, it is labeled a tongue of angels. Angels are sweet. Speak with a sweet language. And Africans are like, pull down strongholds. So I try and listen to both Africans and Americans so that I could still identify 
with Americans so that I don't just blow you out of the water. Amen. But if I go into the, I shut the, 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 just because it's real and I am not ashamed of what is real. <laughs> and that's the power that Jesus said, go and be endued with. Go get something real, not something fake. Come on, somebody. It's like people that buy a Corvette that's a V6. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on you or anything, but come on, bro. If you're going to get the Corvette, get the Z06, get 0 to 16 2.8 seconds and be a man or a woman. A woman. You don't want something that looks good but has no power. Too many Christians are walking around putting on a Christian face but having no power. My gosh, get tap into the source of life that's been made available to you. Speak over your household, speak over your life, and walk in the authority that has been given you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. All right, Acts 2, 37 through 47. We're continuing on in our study. I did not get very far in the 9 o'clock service, so we'll see where we get to today. It says in verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. He preached the gospel the first time. And, he said, and they said to him, to the, to, to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replies, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for their forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those that are far away. Those that are far away would include us today, 2,000 years later, in Claremont, Florida. Amen. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. That'll preach today in America, won't it? The parent of 9273, we would invite you now to stand and walk to get your precious, wonderful, spectacular child. Hug them and let them know that you love them. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The church starts, they preach one sermon, 3,000 people join the church, they devote themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals. A deep sense of awe comes over everybody that believes, and the apostles of the leadership of the church walk around performing many signs and wonders. And all the believers meet together in one place and share everything they have. They sell their property and possessions and share the money with those in need. They worship together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It's incredible when you really look at American church right now, basically we do none of that. And we're like, why are we not operating in supernatural realms? Why does it feel like we're always talking about a revival to come? Well, maybe we should just get back to plan one. And that is to take this thing so seriously that we give everything we've got to the kingdom of God. These people heard one message and sold land and came and gave it at the apostles' feet. That's mind-blowing. It's quiet in here right now. Think about it. We talk about unity in the body of Christ. These people so devoted themselves to it. They gave everything to minister and meet together every day to grow the church because they actually believed Jesus was going to return very soon. So they lived every day like this could be our last day. Let's live for eternity. Just in case Jesus comes tomorrow, we want to be ready for this thing. Could you imagine that? I would not want that responsibility. I would never want people to sell everything they got and put it at our feet, and then we have to take care of them the rest of their days because that's basically how the church operated. 
Could you imagine the responsibility if everybody in here pulled all their wealth together and we met every single day and had to feed everybody and take care of everybody? And What? But that's how they operated. Because they were fully persuaded that the things of this earth do not matter compared to that which is to come. Isn't that wild? Let that sink in. I just really want you to the uncomfortableness of that. And they fully went into that. And because they dove into it, the Bible says the Lord added to the church every single day. I was talking to a guy one time. He said, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us that we have to go to church on Sunday. I said, you're right. The Bible says that they met daily. And he just rolled his eyes at me and he walked away. He didn't like my answer to his rebuttal of church. Look, if church is just something you go to because you don't want to go to hell and you feel like you have to go to it, you're missing out on the power of what is actually supposed to transpire. It's a meeting of people that are fully persuaded Christ is returning and tapping into the supernatural realm of God, the unseen realm, to fuel us to walk in this seen realm with supernatural power. Amen. They totally sold out. Everything was in. This day and age, you got to advertise all sorts of stuff to get people to come after God. Let me challenge this generation with this. If we want to see a move of God that shakes this nation, do your part and get real with the things of God. You come after God with hunger and you watch what God will do personally in your life, through your life, and what will begin to happen in this nation right now. If people would flock to God, this nation would be shaken to the core and righteousness would turn back the tide of wickedness and we would see the glory of God poured out in this generation. If you're believing for that, give the Lord a great big shout. I'm believing for it. The last thing I want to do is be a believer that goes quietly into the night. That sits there defeated and cowering in a corner waiting for the devil to take out this nation. I want to be someone full of faith and power to stand against the enemy and say not today, not in my area. We draw a line in the sand. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare that this young generation will live to see the glory of the Lord rain down upon this nation one more time. powerful it's powerful sometimes you got to go back to the beginning to get things back right acts 3 1 we're just following along of the foundation of the early church it says that peter and john went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service i like that as they approached the temple a man lame from birth was being carried in each day he was put beside the temple gate the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. That's awesome. Would that the day come that the ushers in this church say, an empty seat I do not have for you, but such as I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up, be made whole, be made well, and walk in the supernatural blessing of God upon your life. We are only one chapter in to the start of the church. And what God did, and this is what I will tell you, this is what is going to be released in Claremont and America, but my focus is Claremont because God put me here. So God has given me a love for the region, a love for the city, a love for our leadership, a love for the churches, a love for every one of you guys. And I stand, if, if the enemy can set up powers and principalities, God can set up powers and principalities. And we will stand as an embassy and say, no, we are citizens of heaven. And everywhere the sole of our foot treads, God will give it unto us. We will turn back the tide of wickedness and we will release the glory of God in this nation. But I'm telling you what's about to happen is notable. This was a notable miracle. This was not someone people did not know. 
This is someone that was set daily before people that went into the temple so that many people knew who this man was. They knew he was crippled. They knew he was lame from birth. They saw him day in and day out begging for money. And Christ chose him to be the one to supernaturally walk. So I think that we're going to see notable miracles in Claremont. We're going to see people of influence getting supernaturally healed. We're going to see undeniable things that happen from the glory of God, only from God. It's from God, not from you. Thank God for that. Amen. How do we see these things? By just giving way to the Lord and saying, we believe. We've been picked on. You know, oftentimes, spirit-filled believers, we develop kind of a, a sense of we're the minority and people don't like us. We've been said all sorts of weird things about us. And it's not even fair because I didn't go to church before I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And so this is all I've ever known. So I don't know that there's supposed to be anything else than the supernatural power of God in the church of Jesus Christ. That's what I live for. To me, that's what it's always been about. It's like sometimes we get picked on. So we get in our mind, what do people think about us? What do people think about that? Let me tell you something. You've just got to stand for God and know that it's not you. It's Christ in you that does it. Yeah. I said this testimony in the first service. Years ago, I was a first-year Bible school student. And um, it was like the first Sunday I was ever chosen to carry the Bible of one of the pastors, which I thought was a very high honor. So I'm carrying his Bible, serving the man of God, you know, and... The senior pastor speaks out and says, this day I feel like the Lord wants to give people supernatural miracles. So we're going to have a line for divine healing after the service. If you need healing in your body, you're going to go out here and we're going to pray for you. Our pastors will pray for you. And so, of course, this is a building of 1,500, 2,000 people. So quite a line of people line up for healing. I'm going outside with the pastor. And his phone rings. It was his wife. Something happened. And he said, look, i got to go help my wife. You're going to have to pray for everybody in the line. I'm a first-year Bible school student. I'm three months into this thing. I'm not a pastor. The senior pastor said the pastors would do this. I'm not a pastor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dairy farmer from Tennessee. And so he goes. I'm like, okay. And I walk up to the line. And the first person, and I probably should have actually perused the line before I chose the first person to walk up to. But I walked up to this guy, and he was blind in his left eye. It was like cloudy white, and the other one was clear. So it was very obvious that something happened to this eye. You could, he could not see out of it. But in my mind, I'm like, I do not feel anointed. I do not have a title. I've never really even seen a miracle. I don't know how to pray for people. And I'm terrified. So I say to the guy, what seems to be the problem? I had seen some videos online where prophets would be like, now you don't know me, and I don't know you. What's, you know, and so I'm trying to act like I know what I'm doing. I'm like, what seems to be the problem? And this guy says to me, what, are you blind? It's a true story. He's like, can't you see my eye? I was like, how's your head feel? Do you have a headache or anything? Lower back pain? Anxiety? Heart palpitations? Anything else? Besides a blind eye? Could we start with possible allergies? My mind's literally, I'm just, I'm sharing this, my mind is like running a mile a minute. Like it wants to run. It wants to call someone, it wants to disappear, it wants to make an excuse. But then I'm thinking, one year in Bible school, what did Jesus do with blind people? He spat on them. He spat and he made clay. I'm on concrete. I can't make clay, but I can spit. So I'm like, I'm getting ready to spit on this dude because it's the only thing I can draw on. Who needs prayer? Right now, I, I feel like the Lord is drawing some people that need prayer. Anyone? No one? And thank the Lord. Now, I would recommend this. If you're going to spit on someone, please get confirmation by the Lord that you're supposed to spit on them. And there was just a little bit in, in my mind like maybe spitting on him.
is not, let's start with prayer. Let's see what happens. If it intensifies to spitting, then at least we start it warm, built up to these things. Amen. So I didn't know what to do. I was so, I really, I want you to get this because I was terrified. I did not want to be there. All I could think was I wanted to, I took my thumb and I covered his eye because I didn't want to look at it. Really. Because it was, I was, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Oh my gosh, this guy's here for healing. There's all these people watching me. And I just, I was like the, probably the worst prayer you've ever heard pray. Like, God, help. <laughs> Please. I was like probably, had like zero authority in it whatsoever. Oh, God. And thy great ways and great mercy shine thine light upon me right now. I didn't even know when I really prayed. It was my mind was running, and I'm like, Jesus, help. He, 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 he need, he need, you know what he needs. <laughs> and I remember after praying, it was very short too, 10 seconds. I moved my thumb, and I watched the cloudiness of this eye be pulled out like a vacuum. And I could see on his face as he was beginning to realize he was healed. He is about to be like, you know, because it takes a while when you, you're like, what's that? Oh, my. And he's about to shout praise of the Lord. But I was so excited, I actually pushed him over and was like, he's healed. And he was on the ground. I had to help him up from the concrete. And he was like, I'm healed. My knee hurts now. No, no. And we were like jumping, and then now I went from, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, to be like, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, you got a dead, 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 dead dog somewhere? We'll raise him from the dead, bring him out here. I don't know if you saw what just happened, but I'm telling you, I'm just, these hands are hot right now. Is this a thumb problem or two finger problem? I got five. And after that, the Lord, Lord never healed a blind eye from me again because obviously it went to my head. <laughs> you got to stay humble. Learn from my mistakes, people. My God, stay humble. And I was very excited. The moral of the story is this. There is absolutely no way for you to do a miracle. You can't do it. You can't heal the sick. You can't raise the dead, but Christ in you can do all of these things. He is alive. He is real. And that's what it all boils down to, is those that are willing to stand against everything thrown at them and say, I know a way. His name is Jesus. And the more we stand, the more we turn back the tide of the enemy and we start to see God do supernatural glorious things, may God pour out notable miracles in this generation at this time to put it in the devil's face that where the church of Jesus Christ is, you will not prevail. Total notable miracle. Everyone knew this man. I believe that's going to happen. Now, you would think that this is something that's exciting for everybody. I mean, who in here would ever be upset if God healed a blind eye? Would it make you mad that God healed a blind eye? Would it make you mad that God brought a young child back from the dead to their mother? Anything like that. You think that miracles would be celebrated by everybody. But they're not. For whatever reason, there are people on the earth that are so set against the things of God that it angers them to see the glory of God poured out. And they actually take opposition to stop and shut it down. Because they know that if it gets out of hand, then it loosens their grip upon people. Evil is real. But the glory of God is stronger than any power or presence of the evil one. Well, watch what happened. These guys were arrested for this. Why would you be arrested for someone's blind eye opening or, or someone lame walking? But it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, Peter and John were speaking to the people. 
They were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people that heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000 people. I mean, we had preachers getting arrested in America just because they believed that the church should actually be open. That if there's a pandemic that's going to kill millions of people, how much more should the church of Jesus Christ have her doors open to lay hands on the sick, to see people healed, to tell them about Jesus, to get them ready to meet the one that matters? This life's but a vapor, man. And one day you'll stand before the Lord. And there is no other power or authority equipped on this earth to stand against darkness other than the bride of Jesus Christ. But they were angry. And Axelfax says that they pulled them in. Now understand these Sadducees and Pharisees were not just religious leaders. They're not pastors. They were actually a governmental authority that had the power to arrest you. And so they arrested them. And they actually said... In, in the Bible, they were upset because they thought that these people were ignorant and unlearned. So that means that if you're from Hicksville, Tennessee, you come all the way down from Mascot, Mineola, Astatula, Eustace, Umatilla, Wachula, Juanita, Waimama. I mean, we got some fun places in Florida, don't we? You could even come from Toad Suck, Arkansas. It's a real place. Google it. Toad Suck, Arkansas. I don't know how it got its name, and I don't actually want to go down that mental path. My God, I would if I lived in Toad Suck, I would go to the government and say, can we change the name? How hard is it to change the name of a city, people? You could come from anywhere and be what the world would label not an expert. You don't have a Ph.D. You don't know what we know. I don't care what you know. I know the one that knows more than you know. You got facts. He's got truth. Your facts are subject to his truth. So fact is, this thing hurts. Truth is, he's a healer. Amen? Are you with me? Is this good? They said they're ignorant and unlearned men. They didn't like the vessels that God used. Praise God that God can use anybody. There is hope for every single one of us. The Lord can do mighty exploits for those that would just be willing to stand as men and women that believe in the Lord and not compromise His values to be approved by men. So that's what it actually boils down to. It's like you have to make a decision. Are you going to follow Christ or are you going to get involved in what you believe is the majority? Because in the majority you feel safe. Are you going to stand and be different on the outside but stand for something that actually matters? As for me and my house, we'll stand for the Lord. Amen? Now, I would say this. It's a regular prayer of mine that the Lord would, would cause the perception of this church and the community to be a good perception. I pray that people would see the heart of what we do and know the love of God through us. I really, and I ask you, if you're a member here, pray that with us. That any stigma would be removed in any capacity whatsoever so that people feel free to encounter the true love of God because that does matter. And don't let some religious devil have its way to pick on people and make us feel ashamed for the freedom that Christ has paid such a high price for us to walk in. Amen? Now... The thing of it is, why that matters is because ultimately, when you get threatened, when you get thrown in prison, when forces come against you and opposition and words are uttered in dark places about you, you actually begin to feel that, and it actually begins to work on you. Because nobody in here has ever woke up and said, I want people to hate me. Anybody ever had that goal? You say, how many people will not like me today? We actually, most people in this room, I can tell you already, are kind people. Full of love, full of grace. You give to people. You help people out. 
You carry groceries for people. You're actually good people. But yet you've been picked on sometimes just because you chose to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And you dared to encounter the supernatural realm of the Holy Spirit when everybody knows that that's something that passed away with the apostles, even though it's not found in Scripture, will suck it out of the tailpipe of religion to let people know not to go into the realms of God. Not real in this place there. Let me tell you something. It affects you. It begins to work on your mind. Are you strong enough to stand when people are not celebrating you? Because if the ultimate goal is for people to celebrate you, you will be left empty. Because the same people that celebrated Christ's entry into Jerusalem were the ones that cheered crucify. Man will turn on you because man is fickle. It has never been about winning the approval of a bunch of people. It has always been about walking in the place of being worthy to be called a child of the Most High God. He's the only one that really matters. And this place stands as a place where you can walk in and feel loved by other people and know that God is not small. He has an army. It is strong. It is mighty. And is on the face of the earth right now. And we are not scared of the enemy. We don't hate people. We love people. But we're going to stand for righteousness because it matters. Because one day our life will be tried by fire. And what we do will show forth for what it was. Amen. And so, notable miracles cause problems. The more God is pouring His Spirit out upon a congregation or a city or wherever a revival breaks out, it brings opposition. Might as well just have a flashing light up there to call in everything that could oppose you. And it's a spiritual battle that you go through that wages at you, not in public, but in your mind. It attacks you makes you question things. Billy Graham's best friend was a man so powerfully used by God. Billy Graham said that that man could out-preach me any day of the week. He was used as a powerful evangelist. But along the way, a question got into his spirit from someone that attacked him and said, God is love and God is all-powerful. Why is so much pain and suffering in the world? And it wrapped him up in his mind to where he turned his back on Jesus and denied the Lord the rest of his life. And Billy Graham would cry out day and night for his friend, but he went the way of the world because he turned his back on Jesus Christ. You think that you're not going to have a spiritual battle to go through? You think that the things and the pressures of men to conform are not actually the spiritual battle that we're talking about? You think when the Bible says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, it's talking about being scared of going to church? No, it's talking about a fear and trembling of people coming against what you know to be true and opposition to tell you you've lost your way. But you got to stand on the Word of God. And you got to say, come what may. I choose you, Jesus Christ. You've always been there for me. You were faithful when I did not deserve faithfulness. You healed me when I didn't have faith for healing. You delivered me when I was lost. You brought me from death into life. You're the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life. And I will follow you all the days of my life. If that's you, give him a great big shout of praise. We're citizens of the Most High. Hey, somebody. They were threatened. You know, my mom was saved in the Jesus movement. Well, actual fact, my, my great-granddad was, a, was a, a traveling preacher in the state of Florida. He was a fisherman, a carpenter, and a, and a Pentecostal preacher. And my mom was raised with spiritual roots. But in the 19, what, 60s, 70s, early 70s, there was what was called the Jesus movement. Anybody in here who was a part of the Jesus movement? Wave your hands at me. I love the Jesus folk. What's up, dude? What's up? Jesus is good, man. Totally, bro. Totally. <laughs> My mom was involved in what was called, it was a ministry called Hallelujah House in Tampa, Florida. And um, they used to, they actually bought a house in, in the, the ghettos, whatever term you want to use it, the rougher side of Tampa. They bought a house. The ministry bought a house. 
and filled it with a bunch of on-fire teenagers. And they would literally go out every day, street evangelizing, bringing food, feeding people, every day. They were out on the streets, ministering to people, praying for people. And it was like the, the, they, they were actually well-loved. Because when you carry the love of God into a hurt and lost world, you're going to find the world actually very much embraces that. Because they are starving for true love. They have not met anybody like a believer till you show up because the world does not carry the love that you carry. So everybody loved them except for a handful of people that had power with the city, that filed a complaint, and the police raided their house one early morning as they were praying and drugged them out on the streets of Tampa, Florida in the late 60s. Their Bibles were thrown out and driven over by cop cars to tear them up, and they were thrown in prison. So my mom was arrested. Thrown in jail for holding a disorderly prayer service. So if you wonder, where does he get it? It came from a five-foot-two blonde woman that resides in Tennessee now that met Jesus and got on fire and decided to do something to shake her generation and introduce them to the same Jesus that she knew and loved. The church had to take up an offering to bail my mother and all the other people out of prison, would the day come that we at the river have to take up an offering to bail you out of jail? Because you done went down to Waterfront Park and you done opened up your mouth and began casting demons out and healing the sick and cleansing the lepers and setting the captives free and breaking this place open to revival. Would the day come? Is the day now? If you believe it's now, Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus, people, Embrace Jesus. He said, the world hates me. They're going to hate you. Just because there's opposition doesn't mean you're off path. It probably means you're right where you're supposed to be. A sign of opposition does not show you where God doesn't want you to go. It shows you where the enemy doesn't want you to go. It's his last line of resistance. But if you would just gear back with a little bit more fire and a little bit more prayer and press one more time, you'll break through that line and turn communities around with the power of the Holy Ghost. It's time for a shaking to take place. Shaking, getting out of the hands of man's control because men have been bought they have sold out. They have turned their back on righteousness. But our God is a just God. And one more time, he will move. This notable miracle caused problems. Actual fact, when they were arrested and they went through that, they stood strong. They said, would that we would rather obey God than men. But it definitely took a toll on them. And I can tell you that as a traveling minister, I never felt pressure. But when I became a pastor, I felt very much real pressure. Pressure to conform. Shorten your services. Act right. Dress right. Talk right. Stop saying those jokes. Stop praying in tongues publicly. Explain everything the Lord does. Don't let people fall down. Don't talk about demons. Don't have long worship sets. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't talk about healing. It, was, it bombarded me. I would go from here where the power of God would fall. And before I got home, I would be in a mental battle. Warring. And I used to think it was coming from me. I actually did. I thought, man, I don't know if I'm fully persuaded or what's going on. And I'd feel down. And then I began to realize, actually what it is, is you're picking up perceptions of people. That there are people that are so fully persuaded God doesn't have power. They will give the devil power any day. The devil can do that. The devil can do that. But if God even makes someone shout, they're like, it's hell. Telling you it's the devil. Those people laughed. If making people laugh is the devil's worst attack, then he's probably a lot better than we thought he was. Come on, wake up. 
people will give all sorts of power and attribute it to the devil. But they act like the kingdom of heaven has no power. You want to find power? You tap into the realms of God. He's the true source of power. He's a good God. He's a mighty God. His throne, listen, Jesus, before the world even began, Jesus was. He doesn't have a predecessor. No one came to make Jesus. Jesus just was. And this God he was. If he has no predecessor, he will have no successor. There is no other one to come. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He wrote the end before he started the thing. You can't impeach him. You can't overthrow him. You can't cast him out of office. And you can't take his throne. It's eternal. It will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever forevermore. All glory, all power is yours, God. You want to talk about power? We'll talk about true power. His voice thunders. take a hick from Tennessee and put words in him that people actually feel the anointing on. Take a public school, school education person and turn them into an orator to turn the heart of a nation back. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about people like Billy Graham. Listen, God is up to something and it is big. God has never planned small. He doesn't operate in small. His small is bigger than the greatest thing we've ever even seen. That's who he is. So what did the apostles do when the pressure came? Did they ask for more power? They didn't ask for power. They joined together. They looked at each other. And they said, the opposition is real. So God, give us boldness and give us courage to continue to stand for you. Because it matters that God would have someone, an ignorant and unlearned man, that would stand against the education of the world, the science doctorates, and every religious or governmental entity that rises to shut you down and say, you can make fun of me, but you can't poke a hole in the realms of the God that I serve. Give us boldness and courage to stand, God. What did God say to Joshua? After 40 years of not making it into the promised land, because of doubt and unbelief. God spoke to Joshua and said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I'll give it unto you. But he said four times or five times, I haven't counted it lately. He says, only be bold and very courageous. God spoke it over and over again to Joshua. I will go with you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Come on, if God was with Moses and led him out of Egypt and all tyranny and all oppression and all slavery and walked them across the Red Sea and breathed out upon them and made water come from a rock, then what would you be afraid of in 2021 in America? Because if God was with Moses and God was with Joshua, so shall he be with you. Only be bold. And courageous. And stop listening to the voices or the thoughts of men that bombard you and make you feel like you can't make a difference. Or that God won't do what he says he will do. Let me tell you something. Everybody that has said things are only going to get worse. I've always said to them, no they will not. That is not what my Bible says. One more time, the breath of God will blow across this nation. And it will go from where it's at to a heavenly place of great outpouring of God's favor and grace. If I could get someone on the keys. And at that place, many, many will come to know the Father. People will flock into the churches of America one more time. And places that have been 
empty buildings with no one in them will be packed full of believers crying out to the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there is a revival of such mass proportion being released upon this nation because the enemy has pushed with all that he had and he awoke the fire of heaven to come and pour out on this generation in mighty, mighty ways. And I don't know about you, but I'm telling you this. Now is not the time to see how much of hell you can get away with. Now is the time to see how close to heaven can you draw. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, speaking about the resurrection power of Christ, he said, my goal is that I might attain while still in this body an understanding of the re resurrection power of Christ. Let me tell you something. Everything heaven wants released is actually available right now. All it takes is a humble heart. For the Bible says he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Let me tell you, the fear of man over the fear of God is actually a pride. It's where you're more concerned with the image of yourself than the image of what you portray about God. you got to die to that. You know what? I'm not perfect. Admit it anyways, you're not perfect. Stop trying to act like you are. You don't have it all together. You're not the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the time. That's Jesus and Jesus alone. We're just people. Flawed, scared sometimes, confused many times. Lacking in so many ways. But if we would just decide that the one thing we'll get right is to stay with our eyes on the prize. His name is Jesus. And to know that as long as there is breath in your lungs and blood pumping through your veins, that God has you here for a purpose. And even if it is just to reach one more person, how much does heaven rejoice over one sinner that comes to repentance? You think these things don't matter? Then why does the devil work tirelessly to take people out? It's all it's ever been about. It's just one more, God. And that one more at one time was you. The one more that someone prayed and sought the Lord and obeyed to open their mouth to reach out to you. You are that one more. And look at where your life has gone since you fell in love with Jesus. Oh my gosh. His grace is sufficient. His name is enough. His spirit has filled you. His word is your rock and your lamp. He guides your steps. He guides your steps. Even when you don't know what is coming, you rest at night because you have a God that has always led you well. He's so good. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.